we're going to be praying and believing God that we're going to see more souls saved. We want to see people baptized in water and baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I want you to give a listen to Sister Chris that comes today. Um, my name is Kristen Ferrer. Just <laughs> that name gets butchered a lot. So, but I am Kristen Ferrer. My husband is Chris, and um, we have been talking to Pastor over the last several weeks about um, starting up the a, a witnessing team and evangelism team um, again. I'm sort of moving people outside of the walls of the church. Um, Chris and I have been reading a book um, over the last several weeks. It's called The Gospel According to Jesus. And I read this part of it this past week, and I just want to share it with you. There's no more glorious truth in the Bible than the words of Luke 19.10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That verse sums up the work of Christ on earth. From the human viewpoint, it may represent the single most important truth ever recorded in Scripture. If we call Jesus our Lord, our Savior, and our Master, and his highest call, and his highest ambition, and his highest priority was to go to seek and to save those which were lost, should that not also be our highest ambition, our highest priority? There is nothing wrong with the, the worship ministry. Matt and the team do a fantastic job the support team for the, the message and stuff on Sunday morning do a great job. Pastor does a great job up here on Sunday morning. But Jesus came to seek and save those which were lost. We cannot seek and save those which were lost sitting on a pew on Sunday morning. I had thought about asking people to raise their hand to indicate how many of you have shared your testimony or witnessed for the Lord in the past week. And I decided against it because... You know, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But think about your own testimony. Think about where you were before someone shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And then think about where you would be if that person had not shared their testimony or shared the gospel with you. Does anybody in here know who Mordecai Ham is? Raise your hand if you know who Mordecai Ham is. Okay, there's a couple. Mordecai Ham is the man who led an evangel. Uh, he did some. Uh, he was an evangelist who was leading a revival where Billy Graham got saved. Imagine if Mordecai Ham was not faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think of the hundreds of thousands of people that have been led to the Lord by the ministry of Billy Graham and now his son Franklin Graham. Where would those people be if Mordecai Ham and his name's been lost in the history books? Nobody knows who he is, but everybody knows who Billy Graham is. You could be responsible for that one person sharing your testimony, sharing what the Lord has done for you, how he's changed your life, and what a journey it is to follow him. And then that person that you witnessed to could be responsible for thousands and thousands of people. You just never know. So we're going to start... Um, a training and equipping um, meeting on Wednesday nights in the prayer room. It'll be from 7 to 8. We'll only keep you an hour. The things that we'll be discussing and talking about will be things, um, why do you not share your testimony? What keeps you from sharing your testimony? Um, Why are you afraid to share your testimony? Um, As you know, to whom much is given, much is required. And all of us have been saved from much. So much is required of us. So we'll talk about those things. Then we'll talk about some do's and don'ts of ministry, things to say, things to don't not say, 
um, we've got lists of scripture that are good to memorize, so you've got them right you know, at your, at your memory rather than sitting there having to, to look them up. So we're going to train you and equip you before we send you out. Okay, so I really, really would like to encourage as many people as possible to come and meet with us on Wednesday night, not to take away from the Wednesday night service, but we're trying to keep, you know, you not having to come to church so many times during the week. But for anybody that's felt the leading of the Lord to begin to witness and to evangelize outside of the church, we really encourage you to come and we hope that you'll come. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. We appreciate that so very much. Last Sunday, we shared with you this, how successful that we, how we could be successful in evangelism, and uh, I was, had already prepared my sermon for today. And uh, follow up on that would give you four examples, biblical examples of those that did share uh, in the Bible and and their methods and means of how they won. Of course, the great master teacher was Jesus Christ, the woman at the well, and with Nicodemus. And then Paul and Silas with the Philippian jailer. And then Philip with the Ethiopian. And so I was ready to go. I had planned and had it all typed up and ready to preach. And Thursday, I enjoy walking in front of the house on Emeraldwood Drive. I just love it. It's so serene and, and it's just beautiful there. And so that's one of my ways of getting exercise. And so uh, I was walking and, and this word came to me, confusion, confusion. And the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, we need to set confusion in the enemy's camp. And uh, how many of you know that the battle is won not physically but spiritually? Uh, And and God has given us not weapons that are carnal, but he's given us weapons that are spiritual weapons. And we'll be talking about that. So I uh, set out to see what the Lord wanted me to do this morning. And I trust I have my fingers on the pulse of what he desires for us to hear today. And I began reading in Judges, Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7. Judges 6 and 7. And uh, I want to read, if you will. I have uh, recorded here the, uh, the Living Bible. And it's going to read a little bit different than what she's going to put on the screen. But there's a word in it there I want to use. And so if you will, let's read uh, Judges chapter 7, verses 20 through 22. Suddenly they blew their trumpets and broke their clay jars so that their torches blazed into the night. And then the other 200 of his men did the same, blowing the trumpets in their right hands and holding the flame and torches, torches in their left hands, all shouting... For the Lord and for Gideon, Gideon, for the Lord and for Gideon, that cry, that battle cry, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Then they just stood and watched the whole vast enemy army began rushing around in a panic, shouting and running away. For in the confusion, the Lord caused the enemy troops to begin fighting and killing each other from one end of the camp to the other. And they fled into the night to places as far as Bethsheba near Sarah and the border of Abella, whatever, near Tabath. Hard word. And uh, didn't matter where they went, they left. I mean, they, they begin to, it did matter. There's a story and, and there's a principle there where they did run. But the Lord set them against 
each other. Now, if you do not have an outline of the uh, sermon, please raise your hand and Brother Stephen, make sure you get one. We want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. One of the arch enemies of the Israelites was the Midianites. We learn in Judges chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, that every year about the time the Israelite farmers were about to harvest their crops, the enemy, the Midianites, would attack, destroy, and virtually all their harvest. This went on for seven years in a row, leaving the Israelites impoverished. After seven years of suffering at the hands of the Midianites, God rose up a judge, a leader named Gideon. There's probably none of us that have not heard the story of Gideon, maybe to the extent of how he won the battle against the enemy, the Midianites. I have it lined out for us as we look at, first of all, the battle. The Midianite troops gathered for battle with a hundred and 35,000 soldiers. 32 Israelites men responded to the call of Gideon. Gideon, God had spoken to him. God had led him to call the men of Israel together. And 32,000 responded. Though outnumbered, four to one, God promised Gideon the victory. As we read in Judges chapter 6 verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely... I will be with you and will and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. After that, 22,000 were afraid and God said, and Gideon said, if you are afraid, you can go home. 22,000 were scared and went home. There were 10,000 left. God put them to a test and Gideon's army shrunk from 10,000 to what? 300. In other words, God said to Gideon, I want you to take the 10,000. I want you to take them down to the river and I want you to tell them to drink. Those that got on their hands and knees and drunk from the water like a dog with their mouth in the water, they were sent home. But those that cupped their hands together and took the water out of the river and drunk the water from their hands stayed. The 300 Stayed. It was those that were alert, those that looked around, those that were ready to fight the battle. Gideon's army is now outnumbered 450 to 1. God lacks those kind of odds. In fact, he says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, he said, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You can rest assured with your battles, and all of us fight battles, with your battle, if it is one, it is going to be one in the spirit. And it is going to be won, certainly, by God himself. Noted, second of all, the method of finding. God had Gideon to divide the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand. Not only did he put a trumpet in the right hand of each man, but he had Gideon to have them to put a, an empty pitcher in the other hand with a light, a candle in that picture. 
So here you have 300 men standing, not a sword. In fact, there was only one sword among all the 300. And Gideon had that sword. They didn't have a sword. They didn't have a spear. They didn't have a shield. They had a trumpet. Ram's horn is what it was. Not only did they have the ram's horn to blow the blow out and, and, and create a sound, a loud sound, but they had a pitcher, and in that pitcher was a light. And they gathered in groups, 100 here, 100 there, and another 100 in the other place. Uh, then he had them to watch him. He said, keep your eyes on me. What I do, you do. And I am challenged today, all of us are challenged today to keep our eyes on God. Keep our eyes on our leader, which is none other than Jesus Christ. And what he does, we need to do the very same thing. And that was the challenge that was before this army. And then he said, when we go forth, cry out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. This was a cry to waken those that were slumbering. I believe the church today needs to wake out of its slumbered condition. I believe the church today needs to be alert, not only to the moving and power and inspiration of God, but to the tactics of the enemy. We need to be alert. And this cry stirred the hearts of those that were to fight. Notice what they were to cry out. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Notice in my notes, the union of the divine and human in the work of the Lord. God works, but we have our responsibility also. Amen. The spirit of the Lord moves. The spirit of the Lord quickens. But it's up to you and I to be obedient to him. I believe the Lord is stirring this church concerning winning the lost. But he's not going to do it himself. We have plans. We're going to meet together on Wednesday night. And we're all going to understand where we are. And we're going to leave the prayer room saying the sword of the Lord and of the church. The sword of the Lord and of the church. And we're going to go forth and we're going to believe God for lost souls to be saved. The infinite with the finite. That's how the battle is going to be won. God associated with human agents. Notice as we look at God and man working together. First of all, we have list. Did hear the paradise of God, in other words, God created this earth. It was beautiful. He created the Garden of Eden. But what did he tell man? I want you to dress it. So God had the paradise, but man had to dress this great garden. Not only that. But the sailboat of man with the breath of God, the breath of the divine spirit, fills the sails and the little helm of the human will are allowed to modify the course. Whole lot of words. Powerful message. You can take a sailboat, but if you don't have any winds, it's going to sit right there. 
But when the wind starts blowing, those sails are going to open up and that, that ship is going to go the direction that you turn those sails. And that's the way it is with God. The Holy Spirit is moving. We can sit in our seats. We can close our hearts and our minds. Or we can go to the altar and we can start worshiping God with singing, lifting our hands, dancing before the Lord, prophecy coming forth. And the power of God can move in this place if we open the sails of obedience. It works anywhere. God can speak to lost man. He can speak to the unsaved individual. But that unsaved individual must, his will must reach out and say, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. The sail that God wants to blow his holy breath into. You've got your sail down. Open it up. Open it up. In the individual Christian life, the power of God is working with the will of man. In other words, the message can be preached. A person can be witnessed to. God's Holy Spirit can deal with that lost individual. But that individual must step forth in faith in their life. That's the reason that years ago, and we still have altar prayer here, thank God. That's the reason years ago that when the message was preached, the pastor or the evangelist or the minister or the person in charge would invite people to the altar. Because you have the Spirit of God moving, but God wants you to open the sail and step forth in faith and say, I surrender all. I repent of my sins. I change my life. The sword of the Lord and the of Gideon. It's the human, the finite with the infinite. In the individual Christian life, the power of God is working with the will of man. The Holy Spirit will convict in this place today. Maybe you're lost and you need to be saved. The Holy Spirit will convict you. But he's not going to take and make you get up and do anything about it. He's not going to make you call out to open your mouth and confess him as Lord and Savior. God's Holy Spirit may speak to us and say, hey, you're, you're, you're Christian, but you're slack. You've lost your first love. God's Spirit may convict you of that, but you've got to do something about it. You must cooperate with God if you're going to receive God's divine blessings. I just want that to sink in. I mean, I just want that to... To touch our hearts today and, and God help us to realize that we must respond to the moving of your spirit. The victory was won. Notice the battle cry indicated a confidence in the Lord that gave them victory. Can you imagine 300 men without a sword, with a trumpet? With a pitcher going out and fighting against 135,000 men, the odds are not in your favor. But they had faith in God. They believed what Gideon was said was said, and they said, "We'll follow you." And so here we go. The confusion caused the Midianites to turn on each other with their swords. This confusion was brought about by faith in God, by obedience to God, by watching their leader, and by crying out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
There's another place, and most of us, or many of us, probably remember Jehoshaphat, the king. They were fighting against the enemy. You say, Brother Don, what brings confusion? Let me tell you some things that will bring, at least two things that will bring confusion to the enemy. And that's what we want to do today, is bring confusion to the enemy. I've been suffering physically for about three months. And out of the three months, I got about three nights sleep. I was miserable, very sick. And I felt to come to the church and get the bottle of oil. And I had Carol to take that oil. And I went to the bedroom where I couldn't sleep. And I lay across the bed and I said, Carol, I want you to anoint me with oil and I want you to pray for me. I want you to know she anointed me with oil. And the devil was put in confusion and left me alone. And God healed my body. One of the greatest miracles I have ever had in all of my life, and all of you know about my miracles, happened this past week when she anointed me with oil and prayed. Let me tell you, when the devil comes at you, you start praying. He'll be thrown into confusion. He may even have convulsions, I don't know. But he don't know how to handle prayer. He don't care how much we do certain things. But one thing he hates is when the church of God begins to fall on their face and pray and obey God in their prayer and be obedient and call out to God. He said, you call on me and I will hear you and I will answer your prayer. He'll do it. Another way is praise. Jehoshaphat praised the Lord. He got all the host of Israel together. He put the choir out front in front of the army and they started marching and they started singing the songs of Zion and the enemy was put in disarray and confusion and they took off and ran and killed each other. Same thing that happened here. It's time for the church to believe God. It's time for the church to rise up and say, I'd rather trust God. Oh, but the odds are against you. That's okay. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The Midianite camp fell into panic and fled. And 120,000 of the 135,000 were dead. Wow. God moved in such a way they didn't know who they were. You know, can you imagine? It was, it was the watch of the night when they were sleeping, when everybody was just, okay, we're relaxed. And all of a sudden, there's these 300 trumpets all around you blowing. All of a sudden, there's this great crashing noise. The pictures are being broken. And I love that part. I love that part because you and I, we are clay pots. You and I carry the gospel in us. And what God is asking us to do is to go forth with a broken heart and a life that is obedient to him and a sanctified life and let the light of God's glory shine. And the world don't know what to do with that light. They don't know what to do with that light. But you can't let your light shine until the picture's broken. There is no light until the picture is broken. But those guys were about half asleep and they didn't know, you know, here they are 
All of a sudden, the trumpets are sounding, pitchers are broken, and it gets light all around them, and they get so confused, they pull their swords out and start killing each other. God knows how to do it. God knows how to do it. God wants to defeat the enemy in your life. We must involve the sword of the Lord, of the Spirit, and the Word of God. Perhaps today you're in a battle at home. Perhaps you're in a battle at work. Perhaps today, listen to me, in your own personal life, like I was, maybe you've not been able to sleep like you should. I'll tell you, you're tired when you can't sleep. You don't feel good when you can't sleep. And the devil would like to take every Christian and take your wonderful sleep away from you. But the devil is a liar. If you'll trust God, God will help you sleep like a baby. In fact, I believe there's somebody here that God's speaking that to. Amen. You take authority over, go around your bed. Anoint the bedpost. Get you some oil. Corn oil if you ain't got anything else. Do it and anoint it. Get on your knees around that bed and pray and say, God, I've got to have some rest. I've got to have some sleep. Amen. Now, I did some things to help. I stopped eating after 7 o'clock. I know that's carnal. The sword of the Lord and, and of Gideon. The sword of the Lord and me quit eating after 7 o'clock. When you get my age, you can't eat after 6 or 7 o'clock. And sleep well. Oh, boy, I knew it'd get quiet when I started talking about quit eating. I just knew it would do it. I mean, that other was great, Brother Don. That's spiritual. Hallelujah. But I got to go to that refrigerator at 8 o'clock and get me a snack. I got to go to the pantry and have me a nap. Now, there are things that we need to do. I quit eating certain foods. There's things that we should, listen, we need to cooperate with God. Let me read it again. Listen to that. Number four, perhaps you are in a battle at home or at work or in your own personal life where you feel that the odds are overwhelmingly stacked against you and there's no way you can win the battle. But remember, put your trust in the Lord and it's God Almighty that gives the victory. Hallelujah. He'll give victory if you will trust him. 